is correct. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Moments of Truth, the show about my favorite moments from my favorite things. I'm Bill Coffin, and today we'll be discussing one of the most successful and influential franchises in video game history, the action RPG classic Diablo. By the late 90s, the computer role-playing game genre had entered a bit of a rut. For years, CRPGs were essentially turn-based solo versions of traditional tabletop role-playing games, such as Dungeons & Dragons. And while that was awesome, it only had so far to go, and eventually the genre was overtaken by the Japanese RPG, with its emphasis on deep storytelling, tone, and theme. But that all changed in 1997, when Blizzard North released an isometric point-and-click dungeon crawler where combat took place in real time, where adventures plumbed the depths of procedurally generated environments, where random loot drops created an infinite quest to grind for better gear, and where a perfectly executed dark fantasy setting created an instant sensation. That game was Diablo, and it would more or less define the action RPG genre forevermore. Now, to be fair, Diablo wasn't the first isometric computer RPG, but it would become the king of them. Its plot was the epitome of the grimdark-driven late 90s. As cosmic war rages between the angels of the high heavens and the demons of the burning hells, the humans who populate the mortal world of Sanctuary are caught in the middle. While the great evils were pushed back eons ago, evil itself never sleeps, and the demon lord Diablo seeks to reemerge from his prison, conquer the mortal world, and subject humanity to endless suffering in his bid for cosmic control. Standing in his way is your lone, nameless hero who enters the humble town of Tristram, where he delves ever deeper into the dungeons, catacombs, and caves beneath the town's surface, hacking and slashing, looting and repairing, and repeating and repeating and repeating against endless waves of monsters until he enters hell itself and confronts Diablo directly. Diablo and its expansion, Hellfire, were followed by Diablo II in 2000 and its expansion, Lord of Destruction, in 2001. These continued the story of Diablo, added new character classes, widened the setting, deepened the loot mechanic, and most notably, added a really robust multiplayer function. Now today, multiplayer is kind of table stakes for most self-respecting video games, but when Diablo II launched, it was a breakthrough, and it turned a runaway success into a geek culture phenomenon so strong that people were still playing the game 20 years later when Blizzard released a remastered version of the game in 2021. Diablo 3 came out in 2012. Its expansions, Reaper of Souls and Rise of the Necromancer, dropped in 2014 and 2017, respectively. A mobile MMORPG version called Diablo Immortal was supposed to drop in 2022. Uh, and the much-awaited Diablo 4 has kind of languished in development purgatory, having recently been pushed back again to 2023. The Diablo franchise has sold more than 100 million copies over the last 25 years and has inspired dozens of clones, many of which have become hugely successful franchises of their own. The games, especially Diablo 2, are considered to be some of the greatest computer games ever made. And when Diablo 4 finally launches and a good chunk of the world suddenly disappears, it'll be because they have all discovered their favorite hack and slash addiction once more. This is such a fun series, so let's get into it. With me today is... White-haired lady monk, Chris Crenshaw. Stay a while and listen. <laughs> Corpse-exploding necromancer, Tom Hespos. I'll grind your bones into dust. <laughs> and thorn-cranking paladin, Joe Pace. Ah! Uh! 
everybody. I was gonna, I was gonna do stay a while and listen, and then Chris Bogarted it. I, I had nothing. <laughs> no. I knew Joe. I knew Joe was waiting. For, I'm like, what's Joe gonna say? That's, that's even, I had it. I was already with the Sean Connery <laughs> accent and everything. And <laughs> yeah, you, you can, you can drop it. it. You can drop it. Look, Diablo is about repeating. Exactly. Look, Diablo is about repeating and grinding. You can say you can say the <laughs> right. same thing. If you guys all had the same moment of truth, it wouldn't matter. That's the Diablo way. It would be so faithful to what we're talking about, you know? <laughs> so just do the same 15-minute conversation four times in a row, man. That's Diablo, baby. <laughs> Sorry, man. I mean, I went first, so I had to go with the obvious. Like did you. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So so let's start off. Joe, we're going to kick it off with you. So give us your moment of truth from the Diablo franchise, because this is like such an expansive series of games. The games, in a way, kind of bleed into each other. It's almost kind of a genre unto itself. Even when you compare it to the games it's inspired, many of which I've played more than Diablo itself, they don't feel like Diablo. Diablo really feels kind of unto unto itself and has kind of this unique kind of experience. Joe, walk us through, you know, your moment of truth and what brought you to it, what you take away from it, how it kind of informs the way you look at the larger Diablo kind of kind of scene. I graduated college in 97 and um, got married way too soon thereafter to my first wife. And we played a lot of Diablo 1 together, 97, 98, 99. So we spent a lot of time below Tristram just, as you said, hack and slash is exactly the right phrase for it. This is, you know, the Monty Hall campaign in the best possible sense where you just, you, you find the best weapon you can and you just smash whatever's in front of you. And you just, you, you find every corner of the dungeon and you go to the next level and find every corner of it. And, and, I, and, I, and this was pretty, I'd help I, you if you don't. Yeah, right. I don't know. Like, you know, watch your back. Like, I know sex. Bill is a very it. much of a completionist and uh, yes. that, that's, dude. Yeah, music it, I, his ears. <laughs> man, if if there was one pixel left uncovered, it was a major issue. I would just scour. Like, have I seen every corner? Have I not? You know, so, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, you absolutely. You have no. You absolutely need to check it all. For me, I wasn't a big gamer through the mid '90s, so this one hit me like you know an asteroid from space. I was like, oh my god, I was not ready for the experience of the the dungeon crawl associated with this, and so I played it a lot. It was the first game I ever finished. Mm. Uh, it was the first game I ever quote unquote won. You know, yeah. I was a kid of the of the '80s where you just played games over and over again. There was no winning; it just got harder until you died. Yeah. You know, the, this concept of that where you could win a game, you could finish it, right? You could you could actually finish this thing. And I remember getting to the end, and I remember you know I love so much about Diablo One. It was it was I love the butcher. I love his cleaver. I, I really do. Um, put a, put a pin in that. Out. I have something to say about the butcher and the cleaver. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, right. But uh, I remember winning. I remember being so excited. I, I beat Diablo. I kicked his ass. And oh my God, now I can move on with my life. And what happens? Like Diablo, of course, is this horned demon spawn, uh, you know, from the Stygian pits. And you beat him. And what happens? Like you turn into him. Like what? Like this. This absolute gut punch that happens at the end of the game where you win it and you feel like now there's going to be, you know, rainbows, butterflies, fireworks, all the explosions and celebrations of me having won this game. Because for me in Diablo 1, I was actually, I, I played that game as the, I'm not sure it was magic user, wizard, whatever, whoever the guy was that could set up like walls of fire. And my yeah, sure. whole strategy was like wall of fire, wall of fire, back away, wall of fire, wall of fire, let everything die. And that was how I beat Diablo was just like endless walls of fire and, and finally beat him. And I was like, oh, cool. Now I can get on with my life. And then all of a sudden now you're Diablo. Wait a minute. Hold on. Like you, he possesses you. You don't beat Diablo. What is that saying? Like if you live long enough, you, you become the villain. Like you become. Yeah. A monster. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't expect it. 
you think that it's going to be, you know, Dirk the Daring gets, you know, Princess Vespa or whatever her name is. And like, <laughs> here we are, awesomeness. No, no, no. You mean no, the Jewish, no, no. the Jewish princess? <laughs> Funny, she doesn't look Jewish. <laughs> I see your Schwartz is larger than mine. I, I remember the moment that that happened, like hollering. And I was, we were staying in, we were house sitting for this friend of ours who had this condo, which was three stories and, and his computer was in the basement. <laughs> we played Diablo on his computer. Jen, my first wife, thundering down three stories because I was screaming and I think she thought I was hurt. I don't know. And, and she was <laughs> to find out that like, when you beat Diablo, you don't really beat Diablo, you become Diablo. Like yeah. this thing, like it sets the stage for the sense that this story is never going to end. It was something I didn't expect and uh, hooked me on the franchise forever and ever and ever. And I have stories about Diablo 2 uh, that we can get to, but Diablo 1 was such a unique and original framework for, for a video game that I, uh, I adored playing. And uh, that, that fed into how angry I was that the end was not the end. Yeah, Joe, it hooked me in, in a similar way. Uh, that, that, the, the gameplay loop that Diablo offers is permanent you know, beyond hair you know yeah. like you know you 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 click on something enough times and it drops something for you to pick up <laughs> and you, you can't I, it, like like just physically and and psychologically it's hard to like beat that it, and diablo hooked me hard yeah I, I played through with all the character classes and yeah good stuff I had this friend who was a computer game designer um, and uh, we were talking about sort of like what hooks you in a game. We were talking about Halo and you mentioned that, you know, Halo, you know, I said Halo, the magic of that is that it delivers the same fantastic seven to 10 second long experience over and over and over again and never ends. And I thought that was actually even more true of Diablo. Like Diablo is so simple. It's almost like a weird psychology experiment, you know, yeah. but like it just like you just can't break away from it. And I was. I was blown away about how a game that was so it could be really sweaty palms sometimes because like seeing you know you're like what's around the next corner what's going to happen, um, and that yeah, was things that could kill you will jump could, you right, <laughs> and, and it had like an arcade level demand of your attention. But now, rather than doing that for seven to ten minutes doing Pac Man or whatever, you're going to do it for seven to ten hours in Diablo. And it's like, it was an endurance thing. Like I felt physically drained when I was finally like so tired, I had to turn off the computer. I felt like I had been through like a physical endurance challenge of some kind and no game had ever done that to me. Part of what I want to talk about later is, is exactly this issue. The intervals between, you know, meaningful save points and Diablo could be just, you know, like eons long. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you, 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 and and if you died, yeah. that was it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. oh, Joe had described to us that earlier today on uh, Discord that he and his ex-wife would play like you know until you you would once you filled up your inventory had to go back to town to drop it all off. They would they would swap so they'd watch each other play. And this sounds really cute and fun, but it's also really awful because when you die. <laughs> You have to go Dude, find. We lost your all of our stuff. Yeah, right. and 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 if you if you switch if you switch places at that point, you're just punishing the other person. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a corpse run of shame. Yeah, it's almost like I can't help but notice that you crashed the camper while you were driving. 
it's that kind of thing, right? That, well, but that those that, those one thing about Diablo and Diablo Two, corpse recovery mechanic that was just vicious of the player, and and that's why you feel like you've taken a beating when you played the oh, game. Yeah. Blizzard loved that so much that they repeated that in World of Warcraft. When you died in World of Warcraft, it's like all your your loot didn't drop on the ground. People couldn't take your stuff, but all your stuff took a big durability hit, and then you had to run from the nearest save point to where you died and sometimes that could be long and you're just it's like this ghost run of shame yeah I'm yeah and then the you go and you put on armor back. you know to make sure that you yeah. don't get killed by what's on the way right that's yeah. why you keep yeah. stuff in your like in your stash doctor and you're all like yeah, i got the wrong shoulder pads on i got the wrong this on the- <laughs> yeah all this stuff just like throwing higgly piggly on you've got, got like you know fits back into your inventory yeah. and you're like oh crap I oh, well yeah back and get it now and, and and inevitably when you find your corpse it is surrounded by an absolutely killer crew of of mobs you know oh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they know what's happening they're waiting for you absolutely you know one of the things about Diablo that was also kind of cool is the inventory management was like this weird game of Tetris where you like were figuring out like, okay, how do I arrange these things in my pack so they can actually all fit there? And I got a sense of spatial geometry off of Diablo that I got from another game. It was one of those like, hey, it's like, hey, I found a spear. Is it really good enough to hang on to because it's going to take like three or four blocks in my inventory? Like that's precious <laughs> space, man. That's going to mess with me. Like this axe is awesome. You know, it's is it awesome enough to justify its wanky? It's like it's it's yeah. it's totally a janked spear up shape. in Diablo one was eight eight cubes. Yeah, it, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah like, it's, just, it's a lot. The the excitement of like interacting with characters and like it was like it was like Ultima four on steroids essentially. Yeah. And I, I you know you added the dungeon crawler Baldur's Gate element of like you know cleaning it up and I just. It was like nothing I'd ever experienced before, and then and, and we can talk about Diablo two when the time yeah. comes. Sure. Um, but I, I think that that Diablo one just was a was the first you know the first hit is free, and um, from, <laughs> yeah. there, from there you're pretty much an addict. Yeah, oh, that would be Doom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Doom, yeah, yeah, no, I understand. Right? Yeah, in a later yeah. train in because I never played the first Diablo like at all. Yeah, yeah. that was. So. Uh, I mean, I mean, Diablo was. I think if you were to if you were to go backwards and go from Diablo three to Diablo two to Diablo, I mean, you would find a gameplay experience not nearly as compelling as its as its, as its successors because I mean they really and they, yet the story would get better, but because the later iterations are all just you know uh, they, they're just a repetition of what's gone before, right? Right, and, and that's especially true of Diablo three when Chris Manson took on and he's like really story driven you know, as, a, as a developer. But the thing with Diablo though is that. I mean, it's a simpler game. There's only three classes to pull from, you know, but the simplicity is kind of its beauty. You will test the endurance of your mouse button like no other game on Diablo. I mean, you're just like, like they say these things are rated for 100,000 clicks. Well, let's find out. And you're just like, that's, I'm Especially if thinking... you play the, the, uh, the, the Ranger or the Amazon, the, whoever it is with the bow and arrow, like that is next level, like go stand in a corner and re- hose down the room. I remember when I got into like the first level of hell of Diablo and I really started wondering like, is my mouse gonna make it? Like I remember, I was just clicking it so many times, and like I just it occurred to me like I've never clicked my mouse this many times ever. Like like we'll see if the if the button's gonna give out or not. You know, this offers us a uh, a real opportunity for product placement money because Logitech mouses mm, they are reliable. <laughs> they have survived Diablo oh, yes. like a mofo. You, you mentioned the story format and, and that like honestly like I don't know about you guys and you guys you know your mileage may vary but like i don't need story like shut up 
like you know npc shut up like yeah. just stop it i don't need you yeah. like you need to stop click, click click stop let me shoot let me kill something right like yeah stop yeah. talking yeah yeah no no I, I i totally agree and that thing that's one of the beauties of diablo is that it doesn't really bother it's just sort of like you know it gets in it just gets gets to the, the mayhem um i'm gonna pause for a second though for 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 a quick sponsor identification logitech the one thing diablo can't kill all right we're gonna move on <laughs> um, <laughs> no but um but but, but speaking of, of things breaking though the thing with diablo was it, it introduced this notion of like you're, you're sitting you're killing things and you're looting but these things have durability i never dealt with the game where like the thing you're beating monsters up with could actually like get beaten up and and break that stressed me the hell out and i remember when you finally kill the butcher and he drops this unique meat cleaver of an axe right i'm like oh yeah let's do this i'm like here we go and i was just like just a wrecking machine with that freaking cleaver i'm like this is the best and then it breaks on you right eventually like you can't repair it eventually it just breaks and i at no point in the game did I mourn more greatly <laughs> than when that axe, that freaking cleaver broke. I'm like, but, but this beautiful thing. And that, that, that was just a cool thing. Like no game has ever replicated that moment of like, I, I was so attached to a, an item in game and I lost it and I never got it back again. And that's like, that's just kind of a very, I think about, when I think about Diablo, I think about that moment. And it's just kind of a cool thing they did. When you outgrew it, like either it broke or like it wasn't. Oh enough anymore yeah like yeah you found something it. better yeah outgrowing even items. then you could be sad i would sad. cling yeah, to items like long after they were useful and make it just so difficult on myself i'm like but i can't get rid of this it's so cool i made it myself you know I'm like <laughs> yeah. oh man that would make that's me another cool. reminder of my first marriage like uh, you hold on to it <laughs> way longer than you should past the time when it's no longer useful oh and <laughs> You have an emotional connection to it that you should, oh you know, God. have have. You better away hope from. your first wife doesn't listen to this, man. Oh no, the, nobody will laugh harder than my first wife at that. The, 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 the no kidding, like the the loop, the the loot loop in this game is what drives it, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, and I don't think we've made enough of it. You know, I think we're really taking it for granted a little bit. Uh, you know, you kill these things and they drop items, and these items can have different rarities and powers and you know you're always waiting for the next thing that makes you better and and yeah. that that's that's what drives the entire experience well and chris they make different sounds when yeah. they drop uh, right and, uh -huh. and, and when something and, awesome drops there's a ping and you're like <laughs> you're talking about like that feedback loop when you see that that yeah. orange and then you look at it you identify it and it's crap anyway like like the, yeah. this is like <laughs> This game toys with your emotions. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how yellows work in Diablo 1. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, despite the glory of the gameplay of Diablo and simplicity, I really didn't give two figs about the story. I was just like, okay, this is simple. Man in town, go underground, kill monsters, get stuff, come back, spend, kill the rats. repair, go back down, and just keep doing it. I was a little bummed out that Tristram didn't get better as I kept coming back up. I'm like, I'm feeding the economy here, right? Like, no. <laughs> like the building should look nicer every time I come back up. because All of these, these guys... guards should be way more effective with these yeah, magic yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, back. Yeah. <laughs> to the point where, like, in Diablo 2, your stash of gold is so full, you have to start dropping gold on the ground around your stash. <laughs> 
around your stash. Just put it, put it with all the others. I just can't roll it around the red carpet for me. I'm yeah. back, and they I'm gonna ruin this economy like a mofo. Exactly. He's like, I just can't be bothered to carry all this heavy gold. Oh my god, can they disinvent paper money for crying out loud? Just gonna put this here for a minute. <laughs> but 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 I will say that for all that though. Joe, yeah, I felt your pain at the end of Diablo when all of a sudden you're like, all right, well, I, I want this is great. Okay, this is cool. And it's like Soul Gem goes on the forehead, boom. He's like, whoa, 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 wait a, wait a minute, hang on. And like, I, I definitely felt worst like ice I, cream headache ever. It's, <laughs> seriously, I, I share your pain. I felt like I got the rug pulled out from under me, and it really like, I, it killed me. And I went back and played again, of course. As I played again, I knew what was awaiting me, and it hurt, you know. And, and it's, and it was like, it wasn't a big involved story. It was just a matter of. You win, but you don't win because this game isn't called Nameless Hero. It's called Diablo, right? <laughs> and so Diablo gets the final say. And I was just like, that's a hard truth, man. That's just a hard thing to live with. So I don't know. It was, it was, it was a good experience. I, I quite liked it. I love that moment. We're going to move on to the next moment, which is, for me, it's, it's with Diablo 2. Now, this is a bit of an unusual one because I never actually played Diablo 2. I played Diablo and I played Diablo 3, but I never played Diablo 2. Diablo 2 came out. It was during like my desert time in as far as computer games go. We just had our daughter. Money was tight. I did not have the I did not have the funds for a proper PC like you know like gaming PC. Uh, we had a Macintosh in the house, so there were exactly four games in the universe that would run on it. You know, I hadn't really dived into like my PlayStation just yet, so it was kind of like a quiet time for my gaming career. But I was very heavy into tabletop role playing games. In fact, I was writing them professionally uh, at the time. I remember quite vividly hearing about how Diablo 2 was just like, people were just going bonkers. Like, man, you could set up land parties. Land parties were a thing. They were a great thing when they when they were around. But you could set up land parties and people would hook up their computers in the same room and all play together. Or you can actually get on the, the, the nascent internet and actually play remotely. It was just this thing. There was Battle.net was the thing. And people were actually getting together and playing collectively. It was kind of reliving that gauntlet video game experience, you know, but way deeper. And I kept hearing about it, but I had no way to actually access it. So I remember one time I was taking a friend out to this uh, really great role-playing game hobbyist shop uh, called the Gamer's Realm near Princeton, New Jersey. And Gamer's Realm, I don't know if it's still around. It was a fantastic shop. Uh, Tom, it was on par inventory-wise with the Complete Strategist, um, except it was wow. more spread out, right? It was, just, it was just astonishingly, you know, I think it was serving like the Trenton, Princeton area. It was just extraordinarily well kitted out. I used to go there periodically. It was just amazing. But I remember this one time I walked in there and the whole center of the store was gone there's no more bookshelves there i'm like what the heck and they're all just all these tables where normally they might be wargaming or whatever um but they're just computer terminals and just all these people playing diablo 2 together there's like eight terminals and four people two groups of four playing diablo 2 and they're just like so into it and i got to see over the shoulder watching this like necromancer just laying waste and they're all talking over the monitors and chattering i felt like luke walking into most Eisley for the first time like my eyes just sort of popped out and I was like, what is going on here? Like, this is, and I remember thinking, because I was, you know, I was writing tabletop role-playing games. I'm like, I'm going to be out of a job. Like, this is, like, like, like this is, like, this is an amazing, an amazing experience, you know? And, and, and I was like, I was like, this is exactly, like, the kind of thing I thought I would never see. And it was amazingly compelling just to look at it. But I never did get to play Diablo 2. By the time I was able all to. All those monitors, I'm sorry, all those monitors, by the way, were CRTs. Like, 
they there were there were no flat screens then. No, no, no. These were big like televisions yeah. on top of a of a CPU. Yeah, you know, <laughs> it, they, it, it's a different environment than you're envisioning. It, right yeah, now. yeah. It's not. It's, there's nothing sleek about it. Okay, there was a brutal Soviet functionality totally how these tubular. things were built back then. Right, '90s PCs were not meant for looks. By the time I got back to the Diablo franchise, I was able to. You know, I had a PlayStation. I could play it there. But I missed Diablo too. I just missed that whole train. So I know you guys played it a lot, and the love for this game is extraordinary and it's massive. So I'd just love to, to talk to you guys. I know you guys played it. Academically, intellectually, I know how good the game is. But in my heart, I never experienced it. So I'd just love to hear from you guys. You played Diablo 2. Talk to me a little bit about why was this game so astonishing? What was it doing that was so right that people essentially never stopped playing it? One of the things it did so right was these unbelievable cinematics. The, the story cinematics in Diablo 2 were, for their day, astounding and immersive, and they really sucked you in. Yeah. Yeah, and the music and the, the sound effects and all that. Like, you're right, Chris. It's, it's very immersive. It, it, was, it was very much a AAA title of its day. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that you had the limiting factor of your inventory where you like you could pick up so much stuff and then you had to go back and reset and come back. It, you know, in Diablo one, you could save at any point. Like, so if you were in a tough spot, you could save and, 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 you know, come back to it later. Diablo two didn't have that. It had these like little teleportation portals where like you had to find one in each region and you couldn't stop playing until you found the next one. Otherwise yeah. you didn't lose any save progress. So yeah. like, Anytime you were going to play Diablo, you knew you were in for like a good hour because there was yeah, no way. At least because if you died, not only did you have to go back and find your body and re-equip, you, you still had to go forward. You couldn't. Yeah, and, like, and only like, stalkers died, but but like, yes, uh, it was it was a uh, it was one of those things where there was no like 15 minutes, like I'm going to surf in for a little bit before yeah, work yeah. or whatever. Like that just wasn't what you did. You had to have a session. Yeah, right. It was one of those things where you knew you were in for it. You were going to get in there. You were going to be in the world and you're going to be there for a while. And you were going to look up and it was going to be time to go to work tomorrow. And <laughs> Diablo two sucked you in and held you. And you were like, I can kill a few more things. I can just go to the, I can, I can find the next portal. Like you just kept going. Yeah. And, um, and, and what you thought was going to be 15 minutes turned into 45. <laughs> Inevitably. Turned into three hours. Inevitably. Four yeah. hours, which turned yeah, into yeah. it's time to go to work. Yeah. Uh, I, I was trying to avoid that aspect of it. So like, I didn't have a Diablo one to like compare it to because I never played the first Diablo. I played, you know, I played Diablo two. I got into it because I had a friend who lived like a couple of blocks away in New York city uh, when I lived there and he was desperately trying to get me into EverQuest. And I had heard so many things about that game and how addictive that it was that I didn't want to do it. And like, plus the guy was annoying and I really didn't want to deal with him uh, and having to play multiple games with him. But yeah, I got into Diablo two instead. Cause I was like, Oh, like what could I be playing right now that I can say I'm playing and sorry, can't go do this EverQuest thing. And I spotted Diablo two at, uh, Oh God, what was it? the store that's no longer around anymore, but yeah, um, it's one of those yeah, electronics know, boutique, uh, Circuit City, I think, man. Ah, <laughs> all hail EB, though, hey, man. based in Richmond, y'all. Yeah, oh, I'm gonna pour one out for EB. <laughs> Holy cow, man! Yeah, electronics anyway, boutique. Yeah, anyway, so, so I mean, that that's how I got into it, but like 
it sucked me in and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm playing the game that, you know, I'm, I'm playing a different game, but like, it's doing the same thing to me that I was afraid <laughs> EverQuest was going to do. Uh, so I mean, that, that's, how, the annoying guy. that's how I got into it. But the, yeah. yeah, the annoying guy, I got to dodge him for, you know, several weeks. <laughs> One of now, the coolest it, things yeah. about Diablo <laughs> 2 is that you, you had, it wasn't, it was like multiple different games within a game. Like you had the, the wilderness and then you went to this desert, and like the world building within it and then right. the jungle and then yeah. the uh the space like weird you know multiverse of madness that you Trippy, go into yeah. and then hell yeah. like there are these different environments mm -hmm. that yeah. are also so beautifully and three-dimensionally rendered mm -hmm. and it, it it does just enough just when you start to get like okay i've hacked and slashed through x they bring you y and it's different monsters and it's different environment and yeah. different landscape and different stuff. And they, they do a brilliant job of that, like scalability of like taking you from A to B to C, like, you know, through the different steps. Yeah. And, it's a real improvement uh, over Diablo one. No doubt. Yeah. About oh, it. exactly. Diablo one is, is like, you're, you're kind of grinding through the same. Um, yeah. yeah. And, but in Diablo two, I don't know like what kind of academic research went into the psychology of, of a gamer and like you can do X for three hours and then you need a different backdrop and you need something to change. But they studied the seven year itch on, on those of us with the trigger finger and they figured it out and they nailed it yeah. in Diablo. <laughs> So now, when you guys played it, I know there were, there were I think there was five different character classes, right? There was the Amazon, there was the Barbarian, there was the Paladin, I think, there was the Sorceress, and there was the Rogue? Necromancer. Necromancer, Necromancer. Sorry, right? What was your favorite class? I mean, there you got. You, I mean, I imagine my understanding is that people who really played Diablo two, they played all classes a whole lot. But I mean, surely everybody had their favorite. So, like Tom, what was your favorite class yeah, in Diablo? Yeah, I, I, I did playthroughs with every character, and like you know, so many people say barbarian because it's just you get the chance to dual wield weapon. Hulk like, smash, the, uh, <laughs> barbarian. But like, I'm gonna go with necromancer. Like the necromancer was so much fun because I, I tried to design like a build that would make it so like I could just basically like walk into any situation and not have to do much. Like all my minions were doing stuff for me. So like he could build um like a necromancer who was really good at like raising skeletons and you know commanding them and everything. So you have like you know seven skeletons like doing all your dirty work around there for you. And then um, I, I used to love the the corpse explosion, putting a bunch of points in the corpse explosion. Oh yeah. Your, your skeletons would like go around and kill stuff and then you could do corpse explosion on the next monster which was like you do you know damage according to whatever the thing was that died like it's max hit points yeah so like you could if you killed a major monster you could corpse explosion and like everything was gonna die it's it like a so mid-level marketing scheme but it kills things you know <laughs> i want you to picture gandalf at edoras when Aragorn and Legolas and Gimli are clearing the roads so that he can get to Theoden. That's yeah, pretty much yeah. the necromancer. Like he's just walking and all like these, his boys are clearing the deck. <laughs> Bodies just dropping everywhere. Yeah. Uh, class so much. Chris, Chris, what was your favorite class in, in Diablo? You know, uh, I'm going to go with Amazon. I, I, I do think necromancer was probably like the baddest ass class, but I really, I really did enjoy the Amazon in, in Diablo two. So what was the Amazon it, what was is great the because the yeah, Amazon yeah. is like 
you, you could uh, hit from a distance. Like it's all she, well, like, she was versatile. She you could do yeah. spears or bows, javelins, javelins or javelins, right? and yeah. and and so you you just had you had a lot of options, yeah. and and it made it it gave the gameplay a little bit more variety and fun. I feel that in a big way because I remember during my solo play of Diablo and I really favored the, the warrior and it's like every once in a while you came across bad guys who were like seriously ranged and it's like, oh man, you just like, you paid a the price for that. archers. Yeah, right. They, they just rocked your world. So, so I, I, I get, I get, I would probably be pretty big in the Amazon just for that, for that reason. It was like my PTSD from Diablo would make itself known in Diablo, <laughs> would inform yeah. my choices in Diablo too, right? So, uh, Joe, Joe, what was your favorite class? I was a paladin guy. I love taking a scepter and smashing because there's a phase in which um, mummies, skeletons, like the um, the scepter against undead stuff is just mm -hmm. clean house. I, I like the power set where he could do these defensive auras and it would be thorns or it would, stuff where essentially he walks around and people just like, it's like uh, Leonardo, Leonardo DiCaprio walks into an Emmy party and people faint. Like that's pretty much what it is. Like you're walking through and people just like come in within your, you know, um, your penumbra and they just, they just, they just die. Um, and, and one of the things that we can't sell short on Diablo two is the noises that the monsters make when they die uh, is, is to Chris's point, the satisfaction index of they either explode in chunks in a way that is disturbingly satisfying or they, they sigh or they make a noise they yeah. either cry out or they they just they just kind of fade or whatever but like they all yeah, have their yeah. little noises that they make yeah. when you when you end them and there's something about that that's so addictive <laughs> well you know what in, in in dungeons and dragons this this kind of of play it, it, it you know people kind of denigrate it and they call it, you know you're basically murder hobos right it felt strangely intimate. Like I'm not just killing. I'm in a way I am committing murder, right? Like I just it felt it felt like the there's an emotional violence as well as the physical violence involved. Look, I, Bill, there there are no enemies in Diablo that don't deserve to die. No, 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 they all deserve. It. Like, I, but it was unlike say like you know, it was a first, yeah, but no, it was, it was Joe. You're so right that that the thing with the so the sounds they would make as they die, the death rattles and all that, it was uh. Yeah, it it was more entertaining than I expected. It it, it told me something about myself, I think. <laughs> what I my headcanon relative to this is especially with there are these um almost like fallen Amazons, these 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 female spear wielding, you know, ladies who would come after you. And and when you killed them, they made this sound that it wasn't like they were in agony or pain or it was like they were being released. And there was this sense that you were freeing their souls to be able to be ah. there was a redemption yeah i know, I know yeah. the one yeah right chris knows what i'm talking about yeah. oh it was about. <laughs> yeah exactly there's there's um it was almost uh rapturous and and i don't mean it in a in a, in a sexualized way but like there there literally was like that you were because you framed diablo in the heaven and hell kind of the seraphim and like there's yeah. all of that context to it right that right. you're doing the Lord's work and you're out there, you're essentially like freeing corrupted souls. Mm -hmm. And so you're not killing them, you're liberating them. You are. <laughs> That's Tom? No, I, I, like, 
I, I, I totally agree. I, I, like, especially when you get into like Kurost and stuff like that, and those women start coming out of the woods and then, yeah, oh. you'll see like a little flicker of a soul going off, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. Not the little Rakadichu goblin guys who kill a million. Oh, God. Right. The second you turn toward them and they start running away from you, so they get oh my god, kids. stop it! Oh man, that's annoying. <laughs> I'd sense <laughs> my kids. <laughs> my kids have played a bunch of Diablo with me, and they now will say Rocket Dijou and run away. And I'm like, that's not funny. <laughs> that's not funny, kids. <laughs> Diablo 2's biggest problem for me was those levels in the jungle where you had the totem warriors, which are certainly problematically in terms of you know racism. But that 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 level went forever, forever, forever. <laughs> How many times did you die in it? Oh my god! <laughs> Those totem dudes, they like breathe fire on you. You like you didn't have some yeah. kind of fire resistance thing going on. Like you were toast instantly. <laughs> you had to you had to oh. sense it. It was like it was like being uh, Wesley in the 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 forest, right? Like there's a sound before the, yeah, yeah. the yeah. flame geysers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got to know it and move. <laughs> yeah, like, so, 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 but the rodents of unusual size definitely don't exist. I don't think they exist. <laughs> so, so one aspect of Diablo two I've been meaning to ask you guys about is I know there's a stamina bar aspect to it. Oh and, yeah, and this is like a crucible for people. As their relationship with the stamina mechanic in this game. Now, I know this game, this podcast is all about celebrating the things we love, right, and po and positive things. But I think. It seems like um, we can't have a complete discussion about Diablo 2 without mentioning the stamina issue and and what it did to your gameplay and and how it seemed like one of those I've read it as as a point of intentional friction like it made it made mm. life hard on you for the purpose of making life hard on you and that was kind yes. of the part of the joy of the game is you succeeded despite these things what how did the whole how did that thing like work how did it get in the way of you playing did it succeed at making you feel like when you when you succeeded if it mattered more because you had this stupid thing holding you back like, like how, time, how did it feel the only time the stamina bar mattered to me was um you you had a situation where you, the guy walks or girl, whoever your character is, walks most of the time. But if you shift or whatever, they can run. And most of the time, that's not an issue. But for me, the only time that was an issue was if I was late to pick up the kids and I had to go find one of these teleportation portals so that I could get back <laughs> down and save it. And that's when all of a sudden, everybody's chasing you like you're Shaun of the Dead. And you, you, you've got to like find one of these things. That's when stamina mattered to me, because yeah. most of the time I didn't run very much, so it didn't matter to me other than when the I was time. Time that was the problem is like I, I would stop before I would go into major areas where I knew I was going to run into enemies and wait Catch for your the stamina to recharge. Because if you didn't and you got stuck like in walking mode, like trying to get away from a lot of fast enemies, they were going to take you down. And so like I would oh, I would okay. wait. <laughs> I would yeah. wait on that thing. So around. yeah, 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 Tom. It, it is. It is to some extent the net in tennis you know tennis is no fun without a net <laughs> but interesting there were a lot of friction points they 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 it, it, was a, it, it was a punishing game on its players intentionally yeah yeah and you know that that's a design choice i gotta tell you chris i loved the and you and i here this like i think i've said this is where we part ways i love the restrictor plate of the inventory size and the fact that like you could pick up so much stuff, like you know, you kill stuff, you open chests, and here is gold, here's 
potions, armor, weapons, whatever else. And you pick it up, but you need to make some choices now, right? Like there, there's some cost benefit analysis that you're doing on the fly of like, do I really want to pick up this crappy, you know, bronze dagger or do I want to save that space for finding something that really matters? And so like, there's a, there's a lot of, of thinking that you're doing as you're going along and you're doing this, this, this constant evaluation of space versus time versus, you know, everything. And I, I like that a lot. I know resource management isn't everybody's cup of tea, but so your, your fortitude far exceeds mine. And I appreciate a good resource management mechanic. I really do, but I'm getting stressed out just hearing you describe it. Cause I remember like in any game where you have to like, I picked, I killed a guy. I picked up the thing. Do I carry it back to town and sell it for two shekels? Or do I just drop it here where some goblin's going to steal it? Like this goes off of my head like alarm bells and I can't stand it. I can't stand leaving loot behind in a game and games repeatedly make me do it. And man, I will hoover up every last little piece of garbage in a game I can. And when I can't hold on to all of it, I have like an existential crisis, man. I really do. This Nobody was to... going to steal it in Diablo 2. Like that, that, in my head, Cannon, they did. No, but, it, head... but if you come back after save, it won't it's still be there. there. Oh, no, dude, save. This, this... If, I killed some, if I killed some goblin in Diablo 2 and he drops a cracked wooden spoon and I can't bring it back to town because I'm all loaded up and I have to leave it there, in my head, Cannon, some goblin king now has this magnificent wooden spoon he didn't have before. It's and cracked, you know, I'm never going to see him. I know in that world, as I can, there's some spoon-wielding goblin that I made happen. Like, but here's not, the thing, Bill. Uh, this speaks to... Here's a, a divide. I think there's a real divide here. Who in their their D&D house rules has encumbrance or not? Only people who enjoy hurting themselves. Right? So that's what it comes down to. I think I, I think it's like we're gonna put in, we're gonna take the encumbrance rules and we're gonna put them over here because I can't be bothered with whether or not it's realistic for me to carry eight thousand pounds of broken wooden spoons. Right? <laughs> like here, here's a real question. And so I think that there was this aspect in Diablo 2 of like, and the guy even, I love the statement, the, the, the guy's voice in the game, like, I'm overburdened. Like, dude, what do you, how much do you want me to carry? I'm overburdened, yeah. I can't uh, carry anymore. Like, like the guy actually all. would say. Uh, would look, say, I, I, I am with you, Joe. I, I really, really am. Like You that, want to be with me. An, an extra, an extra <laughs> friction point is generally good. It's just that the way that it was managed in Diablo 1 and Diablo 2 required too much energy of me. I spent way too much time in my inventory screen and not engaging in the gameplay loop. Well, it, it's kind of like a fine point too, because like I like I really enjoyed that mechanic. But I yeah. challenge you to go back and play some of the early levels, like before you get the Haradric cube, and that gives you a little yeah. bit more space in your inventory to do stuff with. That is annoying until you get that cube, like knowing so what's coming. If you do a replay, oh man, you're like, Jesus, when can I get more inventory in here? Like I can't even bring back any. Well, you're hoarding the, the oh. chip gems and all that stuff, right? Like you put those in your And eventually you, you can expand it. Yeah. 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 It, it takes up space in your inventory, but it gives you more space on the inside of it, which is kind of cool. Right. And, so, but, and on the other hand, the more powerful you get, the faster you're getting loot. So right. the faster all that fills up. So my big question is, I remember in Diablo, I don't believe that health potions stacked. So I They did not. Out. So I would walk out of Tristram <laughs> with a bag full of potions, and my expectation was I will drink them as I get more loot. And oftentimes it was like this, like, you know, do I chug my sprite so I can get the thing, or do I hang on to the sprite so I don't die and lose the thing? Did they, was that the same thing in Diablo 2? Because that was a 
a insidiously yeah. punishing yeah. mechanic man you you had to make choices right like you had to make choices about like and in your belt one of the coolest um gameplay functions was you had your belt where you had like fast keys or you could hit like one instead of like because again remember this is a two-hand game and like you're holding down control or shift yeah. and then with your left hand and then your right hand's got the mouse and i always played with the auto map overlaid so yeah. i knew where i was going and seeing all this stuff sure and but at the same time like now i'm like oh do i have to press one like i'm in a tough battle do i take my hand off the control and shift you know multi attack button to hit one two three the fast keys to to, to take one of the potions off my belt I, I love limitations. I love I, I love the fact that, that the character is not a god, is just a dude yeah. who can only carry so much, including health potions. Like seriously, he's not the guy from Top Secret with the dog poop in his jacket where he keeps reaching in and he's got another gag in his jacket. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, right. I mean, the, there's like, like there's only so much mana or health. Make really good cars, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Well, it was cooler as you progress through the game and like you could have a belt, you know, that's yeah. you start with one that's got like four slots in it. And then, you know, you can get a yeah. heavier belt Agreed. that have like, you know, a bunch where you can, you can jam a whole mission's worth of, yeah. um, of so eventually health had this, like, and mana potions in there and you were yeah. good. So eventually you <laughs> and had they were not out. in your inventory itself. Yeah. yeah. So I guess eventually you had this like Rob Liefeld, like girdle of pouches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. pretty much turned into Forge. Yeah. Yeah. But the, <laughs> The, the, the cool thing about the game is it scales so appropriately through the levels that as you get more powerful, the loot gets cooler and the enemies get more powerful. Like, it, it basically scales appropriately. Yeah. And that's really hard for a game to do. And I feel like Diablo 2 really got that, got that right. I, I suspect that's a big reason why people played it like and like never stopped playing it for real. I mean, they, I'd say you know, Diablo three got it better. So that that well, here we go. Okay, so here we here we go. So look, we're going to move on to the next point and and to Diablo three, which by the way, I can't believe Diablo three has been out for ten years already. In my uh, opinion, about two years ago, right? I'm like, wow. They're on season twenty five now. Ah, bonkers, right? Tom, talk to us about your moment of truth. I know it's it's about Diablo three, and it's going to get us into into what Diablo 3 is, is, is all about. Because Diablo 2 is this big moment, but D3 is no is no slouch. So talk, talk to us about what your moment of truth is. I mean, people love to slag D3. If you remember at launch, like, you know, they tried to do the whole marketplace thing where, you know, I thought it was probably a good idea to have, you know, marketplace, you could trade gold for things and trade with other players. Sure, right. that's great. But then they introduced real money into it and it just got, yeah. So I mean, for that reason, I think a lot of people like to just dig on on D three. I don't think I can blame Blizzard for wanting to make more money off this thing, so it's a great franchise. But you know, yeah, uh, you know, while all that stuff was going on, I feel like a lot of people overlooked, you know, part of what made the Diablo franchise great for me, and and you know, it just embodied in Diablo three was this notion that like. In Diablo 2, you could have, you know, builds for certain character types and everything like that, but you knew that, like, everybody out there could also be playing that same build, and there was never really a sense of, like, uniqueness to your character, necessarily. Like, Diablo 3 went crazy with the customization, which I really loved. You know, you could change the appearance of items and, you know, change their color and, and all sorts of stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I liked how... 
the rune system moved from like things you would put into weapons into like, you know, runes that you would attach to abilities. So you could, you know, scale yeah. up and down your abilities in different ways with, with that. Completely re recharacterizing those abilities. It's oh, really, yeah. really neat. It was so fantastic. And like, I just, you know, like it was the first time in the Diablo franchise that I felt like I am playing this character and nobody else is playing this character. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Just the, the, the creation, the ability to create something that was fairly unique to you. And yeah, people still talked about, you know, oh, there's this build for this particular application. Yeah, uh, like the but orthodoxy those general sort of build. rules and like yeah. where you put points for things. They weren't like, hell, I made a cool suit of like death armor, you know, that's like black and red. And then, you know, I just, I look totally badass and I did that myself uh you know yeah. rather than just finding something that happened to be that color like you could change things around i love that aspect of it that was definitely my moment of truth and in diablo 3 you're not tied into that build that you created from level one you know right. you, you you know in diablo 3 you can respec yourself at any time for any challenge which matters because of the way that diablo 3 is structured i personally find it really rewarding you know i, I have I have leveled my monk up to, you know, 786 or whatever, and <laughs> I can rebuild her to meet a challenge that mm -hmm. I know is upcoming. I, that's, it's just really neat. And it, it takes so many friction points away from the gameplay experience. Yeah. yeah. Bill, I know you're a fan of Borderlands. It's like, it's very much like that respecking aspect of it. Like, I, I, I love that. Yeah, like, I'm going to need something else for this. Uh, yeah, yeah. That aspect of it, I, 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 I absolutely loved. And like, just like with weapons, I think I would hang on to builds for way longer than they were useful. Yeah. It started <laughs> yeah. to become a slog. It's like, yeah. okay, I think it's time to like respect my character and focus yeah. on something else so that we can uh, get through this stage. You know, The one thing about that that I think is really quite cool, and I experienced this just recently as I was going through Diablo 3 again, is that, yeah, you can respect at any time. And if for some reason, whatever you respect too just isn't feeling right, if it's not working or if you just don't like the way it works, you can stop and go, wait a minute, I'm going to go right back to where I was before. Yeah. There's, no, there's, not that, there's not that sunk cost feeling of I've respect, now I have to make this work. It's like, no, you can do whatever you want. Be who you want to be. And that is rather liberating because most games don't let you respect that freely. Usually there's some kind of cost associated with it. So you have to like really look at it as a point of investment. And here it's just like, you know, play your game homie just do your thing and it's like it's a it's actually for a game franchise as legendarily like you know aggressive and antagonistic as diablo can be that's a rather you know these guys just love me and want me to have fun kind of approach yeah. <laughs> to thing that i wouldn't normally have expected from 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 diablo it's interesting like i played diablo 2 and you know you know how it is when you master an interface and you feel competent in it and then you move to a either an advanced or a, a somewhat altered interface for a new version of it, you have a, yeah. a learning curve that goes along with it. And for me, like that curve was just, just steep enough to Diablo three where like I got to it and it was just, it was like the busyness of it. Like it was, uh, it, it, it kind of overwhelmed me. Uh, the sensory input of Diablo three mm -hmm. was, was just enough more, just that, that hair more um, for me. And I, I love the fact that the, and the economy changes, right? Like you go to this, yeah. this shard economy versus yeah. whole item economy. And that was just enough for me that like, I couldn't make the jump. And that's a limitation on me and my imagination that like, just, I, I couldn't do it. 
Uh, and I tried and I tried and, and I think we had little kids at the time. And this is the difference. I played Diablo two a lot before I had kids. And then Diablo three, I had little ones in the house and I'm playing and my wife is like, what are all the screaming and splattering noises coming from your computer, <laughs> coming from your computer? And I, and I had to kind of put it, you know, just normal away. stuff. This is why I play with <laughs> headphones is so that I can't be judged what the game is doing sonically. Right. <laughs> like, people just judge me by what they see. They don't have to hear it, you know. Um, but Chris, you were going to, I think when I was talking about the, the interface and the economy, you had. Well, I know I, I think you're, I think you're right. And I think that, that in Diablo three, you have maybe a little bit less investment in your character because you haven't had to build him up from level one and, you know, with, with irrevocable changes. Mm -hmm. I I can definitely see that mattering, but, but for me, the way that you are untied from the long missions and, and, and the grindiness of it, it, I mean, Diablo will never not be a grind. I mean, that's the point. But with Diablo three, you you just you're free to approach things in different ways. Yeah, this I'm, I yeah. can't get past this boss with these powers. I'm just gonna respec and and try this whole different build that's gonna entirely change the way I play the game. Which you know it has to be admit admitted that you know the way you play Diablo is between classes and builds is just you know a, a change in the rhythm in which you. Yeah click the left right the left button the the right button and you know like four number keys yeah right the rhythm in which you use your powers is what defines the way you play the game and yeah it it delivers the same 10 seconds of gameplay over and over but it can be whatever you want it to be and i think that's really neat yeah tom i I do have a question for you i mean because you talked about how you wanted to kind of celebrate the things you think Diablo 3 did right. And there is a lot of chatter about people who felt that Diablo 3, the story was too overbearing, the colors were too bright, you know, it didn't feel like Diablo. Sounds like MCU criticism, doesn't it? Well, it, it, yeah, it really, it really kind of does. But, but I, 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 would just, I mean, you kind of know what these criticisms are. I would just say, like, how was it that those things didn't bother you, Tom? Because it seems like that sort of stuff sort of bounced off you. What was it about this game that was making it and even though you played diablo 2 you played diablo 3 they do feel like different games but this one still was a super fun experience for you what what was it about d3 apart from the character customization that made you go man i'm just loving this i don't care what the haters say first of all i didn't get any of that criticism about you know colors and stuff like that to me it definitely felt like a diablo game it was a different game yeah but i like how they seemingly took a lot of the feedback you know about like managing weapon sets and stuff like that from two to three like there's a lot of things that made it feel unnecessarily grindy in two that you know got addressed i think in 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 three and just made it easier i i I did like the sense too that that a lot of the um the unique items and item sets and things like that in three like that seemed way more expansive and like you, you can play, you know, today and still get something that like you've never even seen or heard of before. And yeah. like, wow, that's got a really yeah. cool power set to it. Uh, I, I like that aspect of it. Like to me, it seems like it would make it very replayable. I mean, I don't, I don't play it much anymore, but uh, you know, at the time it was like, you got the sense that like with D3, it was just so much more of an expansive universe 
yeah. with the uniqueness of the items involved and everything that it really just made it take off like to the next level for me yeah with d3 i i i feel like it's not just freedom it, it, there's just way more variety yeah yeah way yeah. more variety yeah, people that complain, complain about the colors and whatnot what they're complaining about is that you know a bit of the the grim dark tone of diablo one and two you know with the the you know torches and black and gray environments mm -hmm. is gone there are so many different environments in diablo 3 that it's yeah. you know unfathomable you know from rainbow worlds where you're slaughtering unicorns and teddy bears to, to you know you know underground thing, realms way, where you're fighting fungus I, I will say chris to that point like i made it to being in the that castle and the snow is coming down and like i remember being like so impressed by the environment that they had created and how many how much it was leaps and bounds ahead of anything I'd experienced in D1 or 2. And frankly, that D1 and 2, which were leaps and bounds ahead of anything else. And, and so now D3, like the sensory overload was almost too much for me. There, there was a whole lot more animation with your powers, a whole yeah. lot more, there's just a lot more going on. Just the look screen. of that level, Joe, like I absolutely love that. Like when you get up on top of the castle and you have to go through because it's under this like yeah. huge demon siege. Siege, yeah. And you look over the edge and it's like, oh, okay. It's like kind of like a Star Wars matte painting kind of thing going on. Yeah. But yeah. then, like these big, like transport demons, like kind of come out of it and come up over the wall of the castle and start dropping. It's Minas Tirith. I mean, I Minas Tirith. It is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. That, that was. Irony. Or at least like, Helm's Deep. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Whoa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'll tell you, in D3, I absolutely adored, I think it was in the, in the second act, when you go to the desert and you go to, uh, 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 I forget the name of the city, like Chaldeum, I guess it is. Chaldeum, yeah. Yeah, but it's just like, I just found that whole setting to be super compelling. I love how it was drawn. I loved how it looked. Very bright. There wasn't a whole lot of super dark, dank kind of stuff going on necessarily. You periodically went in these little catacombs and crypts and sewers, but like it was a fairly brightly lit level. It didn't seem it was lighthearted. I mean, you're like, when you're in that city, you can hear people talking about their evacuation plans and how they're all stuck in the city and how like... The Emperor is just kind of, he's nowhere to be seen. And, like, it's clear that Belial has, like, managed to set things up so that everybody here is is F-U-C-T, right? <laughs> they're, they're in trouble. And that sense of peril was kind of significant. But I love the fact that it felt dangerous, even though it was brightly lit. Like, I, I really love yeah. that second act oh, in particular. Yeah. I really, really music enjoyed in that. that, too. It just sets the tone. The music, oh, so man. Gorgeous. So much variety in the music. Oh, the music is great. You know what? I got to say, I mean... Music in video games, especially in the modern age where you can just have straight music in a video game, it's not like, you know, a chip tune or something. It's always so much fun to go back and listen to the soundtracks as albums, right? And, and, mm -hmm. and Diablo has got such a magnificent amount of music attached to it. The very first soundtrack to Tristram, like in Diablo with that weird guitar, hmm. like you hear it and just takes you back. Mm -hmm. But I got to say, for a game that's 10 years old, Diablo 3 still looks awfully, awfully, awfully good. I mean, it does. It, I mean, I'll, I'm playing it on my PS4 and... I, I think it's one of the reasons why I kind of forget that it's as old as it is. It the look of it holds up. I mean, just this the scenery looks terrific. The environmentals look terrific. The characters move really cool. Like it doesn't look like it's an aging game to me. I agree, Bill. I uh, I built a computer about 2011 in order to play this game, to play Diablo three, <laughs> and I did. Machine. Oh, I played it. Diablo. But I've come back to it 
like i mean not not, not regularly necessary uh, maybe i'll give it a couple of years and i'll come back and i'll come back and i'll come back this year i have put hundreds of hours into diablo 3 yeah just because because when diablo 2 was re-released on on steam all of us were talking about it and we you know most of us yeah. Uh, bought it and played it and 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 as i played through it i was like this is great i want to play diablo 3 <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so tom and chris you guys both had moments of truth around diablo 3 and we kind of kind of sort of talked about what we really like about the game chris is there is there a moment you wanted to kind of dig in a little further on something that really stood out to you for diablo 3 that really kind of made an impression especially as somebody who has i, I think you've played all of diablo games right yeah so, so, so I'm kind of curious that you had an MOT at, out of Diablo three. Like that's the game that would give you a moment. So I'm, I'm, I'm dying to hear it. You know, as much as I love the the story and atmospherics of Diablo one and two, they do have a more coherent identity. I think, you know, with with their settings, uh, their story. What I loved about Diablo three was the the new game modes. Campaign wasn't the only thing you could do, nor was multiplayer. The new shard economy that that Joe bro brought up leads to the this rift gameplay. You could either play the campaign in which you're just going through the story over and over again, mm -hmm. although you can go to any area and replay it that you want. That that's cool and all. Like, but in Diablo three, you have these adventures. They're 15 minutes long and they're timed, so it completely militates against that i have to search out everything in this dungeon or i've lost something feeling it, it obviates that oh, i i know i can't make it through this segment of jungle before i pass out tonight at 3 a.m <laughs> it, it it's it's it provides more immediately satisfying gameplay to me than anything else in the diablo series and i love it for that and you get yeah, you know, real benefits from it. I I, I have uh, played Diablo three with all the character classes. I have maxed them all out, and then I took my monk up through the Paragon levels. So she is like, I don't know, within ten or fifteen levels of the 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 absolute maximum uh, in the game. It's like when Chris gets to the top, like people at Blizzard are gonna like pop champagne, like he did it, yay! No, 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 been no. watching you. No, 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 no. Seriously, I do not want to set myself up as any kind of authority here because people do this in the seasons. Yeah. They do this every like, you know, four to six months. They will oh, really they, they will take a brand new character. <laughs> I am such a casual <laughs> and, and 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 just just do that that gameplay loop over and over and over and over and over until they have done this like, like i i remember recently reading a post on reddit about a guy who had for the first time ever and he he, he would say look i know this isn't all that impressive i'm just kind of a noob but you know this season i got all my characters up to the max i'm just like Oh, how do you do that? I mean, do you have a job? Yeah. Uh, since, and and is that, this it? I need to send books to these nice people, though, right? I mean, uh, being able to be able—if you like the game that much—to be able to still get something out of it. I get, yeah, yeah. That, but, this is this is a game that was what yeah. it was 2011, wasn't it? 
or 2012. Yeah. I mean, uh, for goodness sake, I'm all for, I'm all for, you know, what we celebrate in this podcast for loving stuff and that's cool. And I'm, I'm here for it, but like, I need to send these people some literature or voter registration cards or something like, you know, <laughs> dude, like basements are cool. Have you considered sometimes. knitting? <laughs> The world I, I love Cheetos too. <laughs> These balls, I'm in. One, you know, maybe yeah. once or twice a week, but not yeah. all the time. I do love to play video games. I play them all the time. The amount of time I play in any one block is considerably shorter than it was back when I was, you know, 20, 25, that sort of thing. So one thing I really enjoy about Diablo 3 is the ability to just jump in and out of it, you know, whatever yeah, you want. They, they, they seem to yeah. recognize that. Right? They know that a certain cohort of their gamers are getting older. They can't just automatically jump on and expect you to play for six hours at a time, right? You know, just things, things prevent that. So with that being the case, that the game doesn't hold you the way Diablo 2 and Diablo 1 does, the fact that there are still people who are just going in there and doing it anyway at that, I mean, at that duration... It says a lot about the game. I mean, I think it says more about the game than the gamer. Oh, it does say a lot about the gamer too. But I think, <laughs> Bill, my my uh, my sixteen year old son Eli is a big enjoyer of Diablo three on PlayStation. His monk is not far behind mine. <laughs> so are you gonna have like, my, a father and son yeah, like like like, was like double my level on Fortnite tonight? And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm just hoping my sons are still monks at sixteen. That that's really. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, aside from these other play modes, is there anything else about Diablo 3 that, that, that really kind of hooks you that you want to talk about? Uh, well, you know, we've talked about the music of the of the series. Uh, there's the music so of Diablo 3 is, I think, even better. It's yeah. less coherent. You know, like, like Diablo 1 and Diablo 2, those are soundtracks. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and Diablo 3 is a series of music that's appropriate to the environment. It's and there's so many environments. Yeah, it's more soundscaping than soundtracking, yeah. yeah. you know? There's a similar point to be made about the graphics. You know, some levels are super dark, some are super bright and even cartoonish. I, I like the variety of Diablo 3 more than anything else. Yeah. If you find that you're playing Diablo 3 and it's all the same all the time, that just means that you need to either up the difficulty level and or change your character build because yeah. you can entirely change the gameplay experience on a whim. Yeah. yeah. And, there, and there's a huge degree of, of difficulty you can impose upon yourself in this game. You're like, well, this game is too easy. And then you realize, well, how much harder can I make it for myself? Uh, all the harder. I mean, you can make it like it just, yeah. that, that bar scales way off to the side here. And you can make it like absolutely old school punishing if you really want it to be. Or you can just make it just a walk in the park and like I just like walking through and smashing things and just you know watching things fall. And that is still fun. It it absolutely is. It can actually be really relaxing. Like I'm just gonna walk around with my monster hunter and do that spinning John Wick thing and be a dervish of arrows across the whole land. And um, no, I think I had fun for an hour. And and but that's uh, that's legit. You can do that. And the game allows for that level of casual play, or also allows for super intense, super hardcore play. Not a lot of games provide such a broad spectrum. Let me ask about this though. Have any of you ever played a hardcore character? Dude, oh game. no. No, I do I no 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 not in this game. Not in this game. No, this <laughs> I is did in one. No 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 no. Oh yeah. The notion that you could have a character that like when it dies, it's dead. Oh, permadeath, right? Yeah, like like true back to it. That true is really like. cool. 
Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. But I, I would never do it myself. But like, I for the hardcore gamers who love yeah. that kind of thing, I'm glad that they've got it. <laughs> but in one, you could go back and you could. There was a slider. You could start with like normal difficulty, or you could go to like, you know, Hellfire or you know, Nightmare. You you could ramp it up. Yeah. To where like, you know, so yeah, like you said, I'm just gonna go through and I'm gonna knock some heads, or like I'm Daredevil in the corridor in season one. You know what I mean? Like, like you could you could, you could shift the difficulty. <laughs> to how much you wanted to, to handle. In Diablo 3, uh, at the end, I was playing one level below the max difficulty or when I last stopped playing. All pro instead of all that. I get you. I was still able to find situations that would challenge me regularly. You know, it, it, was, it was never... As long as you're amping up the difficulty level to, to match your gear and your build, yeah. right? You, you will not find an end state in this game, I don't think. But that's that, the scalability that where you find a spot me. where it's it's in between cakewalk and constant frustration. Yeah. And it's like finding that loop on your belt that's not, you know, pants falling down or too tight. Like it's that perfect sweet spot. A belt and, with infinite loops. What a lovely yeah. thing. Yeah. That's fantastic when, when the game allows that kind of scalability to find that, yeah, that yeah. spot that absolutely sure. suits your expanding dad bug. Yeah. Cause you know what? I, I can say like you can come home, you've had a hard day at work, and like I don't feel like getting beaten up tonight. I'm just gonna make it easy. Fine, knock it down. The game's not gonna like hold you accountable for it. And other days like I'm feeling my oats, let's do this. Fine, crank it back up and you can you can you can do that too. Like Diablo is always there waiting for you. I think that's and I compare that to Madden where you play like rookie pro, all pro, all Madden. Like it's like how much how angry do I want to get? How much how hard do I want to throw this controller? Am I gonna break a window? Just a controller, my hand, like what's gonna happen here? And, and you have that capacity to adjust yeah. it to what you're looking for. Yeah, how how bad is gonna make you rage quit? So that's awesome. That's awesome. All right. Well, I'm gonna wrap this up because I'm actually eager to go and uh, play some Diablo. So and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna run. So but before we go, uh, I have a final thought here. In his recent book, Stay a While and Listen, book two, video game writer David Craddock goes into depth about just how brutal and grueling the development of Diablo 2 really was. You know how AAA games have like a crunch time when the studio ramps up into overdrive to finish the project? Yeah, Diablo 2's lasted for 18 months. Uh, developers were handed sleeping bags and given meals so they didn't have to go home to rest relationships staggered and fell drinking problems developed mental health crumbled burnout was rampant but in the end the team prevailed and delivered this massive you know genre defining hit unfortunately this also provided a kind of template for other studios to follow in terms of workplace expectations this game took so long to develop because with the success of diablo behind it diablo 2 actually had big shoes to fill and that might seem funny to think of you know the diablo 2 team being worried that they might not hit the mark right but at the time, that was a very real thing. And those issues kind of rose again, although in a kind of a different way, when Diablo 3's development faced its own difficulties, when it was halted and restarted due to some, some you know, corporate restructuring type stuff. And, you know, while Diablo 3 was a huge success, it does suffer, as we mentioned, from fans who compare it unfavorably to Diablo 2. The tone is too light, the story is too overbearing. And at the same time, when Diablo 2 was re-released in 2021 with updated graphics and other features, it was also compared unfavorably to Diablo 3. The stamina bar is still there and it's annoying. The difficulty curve is too punishing. You know, as we look to the eventual release of Diablo 4, one can only hope that the human beings behind its development aren't destroying themselves to produce something that will never succeed in satisfying everyone. 
In fact, as Diablo's publisher, Blizzard, faces a cultural crisis of epic proportions that stem from rampant sexual misconduct and other misbehavior, one wonders what this is doing to the development side of things. Is this organizational reckoning making an impossible job even more so for the folks who are trying to create a product that will be expected to do nothing less than redefine the genre once again? Now, who knows? But what we can be certain of is this. When it comes to computer entertainment, fun and games is serious business. But oftentimes for the people who are developing them, it becomes far too serious. So let's hope that that changes for the better and soon. After all, anyone who's ever finished the first Diablo knows what happens when triumph is gained at the cost of one's soul. This has been Moments of Truth. On behalf of myself, Tom, Chris, and Joe, thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Moments of Truth is hosted by Bill Coffin, Chris Crenshaw, Tom Hespos, and Joe Pace. This podcast is edited by Derek Eisenhart. For more Moments of Truth, be sure to subscribe to this show wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or visit us at www.momentsoftruth.show. And before you go, please check out Joe's award-winning, best-selling novel, Moss, described by Kirkus Reviews as, quote, an excellent and thoughtful exploration of art, ambition, and mortality, as the illegitimate son of a literary giant deals with love, loss, and the struggle to find himself. Order Moss today through Amazon.com or your local bookseller.